Mueller and Moats are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. What's going on, Steelers Nation Radio? It is high noon on a Thursday afternoon. That can only mean one thing. It's time to go inside the electric factory here on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Wesley Euler with you. No Arthur Motes today. Scheduled day off for our guy. Yeah, he got caught up to the big leagues, you know, to do a Steelers community event, that hobnobber. So you'll just have me here this afternoon on the Blitz, but you guys know the drill. When Motsy is out I like to bring some buddies, and I've got a pair of our good buddies, our best friends of the show. Brian Bacco is always from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. will join us about a half an hour from now, but to lead things off here from the jump, it's our partner in crime, one-third of the Migos, Mr. Chris Carter. CeCe, what's up, cousin? How are we doing? Thanks for taking the time. Yeah, glad to be on the show again, Wes. Uh, I, 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 most, tell most to stop ducking me, man. Every time I come on here, he ain't here. He is. You know what? It's funny. Backo is saying the same thing. Backo is like, Moats is <laughs> taking a lot of Thursdays off lately. What's going on? I, I don't know. I don't know. I just all that I do know is that I'm happy to uh, to always have you guys on the show, but particularly when I'm riding solo. I thank you for taking the time here, Chris. Let's jump right into it because there's always plenty that I want to pick your brain on. Um, I was on the Locked On Steelers podcast with you yesterday. I think most of our listeners are familiar, but you're not. Uh, if you're not, I've said this before. Um, if you're not subscribed to the Locked On Steelers podcast and you're a Steelers junkie, well, you aren't quite a Steelers junkie. Our buddy Chris Carter uh, with a daily Steelers podcast does a excellent job. Chris, I was on there with you yesterday. One of the things that you and I discussed um, that I've been thinking a lot about, you know, obviously a lot of conversation in this town around Devin Bush since Sunday. And I think a lot of that has centered around the effort conversation. And, and he hasn't been um, the, the lone person that, is, that has been talked about effort or, or, or lack of physicality, all these different things. It's something you and I spent time discussing yesterday. And here's what I was thinking today. And I, I'd be interested to, to get your thoughts on this. I, the more and more I think about this, I feel like sports teams, like this isn't just a Steelers thing. This isn't just an NFL thing. This is uh, football, basketball, hockey, baseball, whatever. I think a lot of times when teams are losing, they always just fall back on effort, right? I feel like it's much it's much easier to say, ah, oh, well, you know, we're not giving enough out there. We're not going hard enough. We, we didn't want it bad enough, whatever, than to just look in the mirror and say, hey, maybe we're not good enough, or maybe we're just not as good as we hoped to be or we thought we were. I, I've been thinking a lot about that since you and I spent a lot of time discussing effort and Devin Bush and all these things yesterday, and it just kind of smacked me in the face this morning that, hey, this is a team that doesn't have an overly loaded roster and is dealing with a ton of injuries to boot. Maybe that's just the reality that right now they're just not as good as we thought that they were going to be, and a lot of things play into that but effort is just the easy, low-hanging fruit one that you can kind of feed to the media and feed to the fans. Well, you know, like you said, it's easy to feed. You know, you, um, you know, there's always you know half-baked answers and, and quick ways to easily you know phrase things. That's always appease people when it comes to explaining things away. Whether it's you know whether it's just how, how you disagree with something out in the world, how you disagree with your sports team, instead of going into the minute details, which is what we try to do on the Lockdown Steelers podcast all the time, and break things down and go, hey, this this went wrong, that went wrong. Those are the type of things that, 
you know, that I try to do with Carter's classroom. Yep. But the bottom line here is you need to find ways to, to, to break those down because when you start just going over the overarching tones of, oh, they didn't try hard enough. Oh, I mean, that's why every, every time, every week when they lose, regardless if they're 12 and four and they're four and 12, well, they've never been four and 12. But you know, <laughs> when they lose, just, you blame Mike Tomlin, just blame this, blame that, because you don't know how to break things down in, in, into the minutia. Say, hey, this is this problem over here. This is that problem over there. And then also applying, because it's one thing people, you know, people have learned, can learn how to watch film, but also to apply historical context to explore, to apply how teams are, um, you know, how, you know, how you're, how the, how that could play out differently over time. You know, like there's times where, sure. you know, for, for, for years, like, and I brought this up when talking about Devin Bush, for years people said Bud Dupree was a bust, that he would never get better, and this is who he was doomed to be. And then all of a sudden everyone's like, oh, Bud Dupree, we miss you. Uh, you're doing, you, you're so great for us in your, in your, in your last years here. It's because, yeah, like, you know, I saw that he was working on things. He was going to develop into a better player. And so that's the thing where you have to understand you know, just the, the minutia of things, the, the detailed work of what's going on yes. and what makes it team. And, and right now, I mean, you see, we, we said going into the season, this team is going to have to live off the of defense. This defense has been hurt up. They, they haven't had a single week where they had all the guys that we thought would be there this year. And they've had several weeks where several of the stars have been missing. So it's just, this is a team that was supposed to be led by that, and they're not there. So, yeah, that's what's going to happen there. But, F, but you know, but was a lot easier than going into, like, hey, where's Devin Bush's reads coming from? You know, what is he not doing that's allowing, that, that's, you know, forcing him to start slower on plays? You know, how how is the defensive line getting blown off the ball? You know what's easy to say to that? Oh, their effort isn't there. <laughs> exactly. And that way, you can just kind of plant your flag and say, I see, I told you so. Every time, anytime they lose now, you can just keep saying effort, effort, effort. Yeah, it's it's much easier to say um, our effort wasn't good enough as opposed to just saying we weren't good enough. And and I, yeah. I think a lot of times, too, again, that that can even be more appeasing to the fan base because then it's like, all right, well, just go out there and get your motor going next week and, and we'll be just fine. And, and sometimes I think that can be seeking comfort in a way. Chris Carter with us here on the Steelers Blitz. Uh, Chris, one thing that we spent a lot of time discussing yesterday that I'd be interested to, to get your take on, and I, I should clarify, not that you and I discussed on the Locked on Steelers podcast that Moats and I discussed here on the show. We just kind of had a, I don't know, maybe a 20-minute or so conversation about the current state of the franchise. Like, what are the Steelers right now? And my answer was the, the classic Bill Parcells. Like, I think they are what their record says they are. They're 5-5-1. Five, five and one. They are mediocre. They're not great. I don't think they're as bad as some of us have, have liked to think over, over the last three weeks. Um, they can go out and they can have a quarter like they did against the Chargers where they score 24 points and the offense is on fire. They can also have the uh, 11 other quarters that they've played in the last three games besides that one where the offense has struggled. The defense at times can look really stout. It can also surrender 637 rushing yards. Uh, I don't know if that was the exact number, but uh, probably something close to that over the last three weeks. What, what When you evaluate the Steelers as they are right now, I think you kind of touched on it there. The defense needed to be great. The defense needed to be you know border on elite, be one of the top three, four, five defenses in the NFL this season to kind of carry this team. I think we all felt like that, particularly early in the season while the offense was trying to find their way. What would kind of be your, you know, if, uh, if you were, uh, what would it be, the 47th president of the United States and you were given your State ah. of the Union, but instead it was the State of the Steelers franchise – how do you evaluate where they're at right now, Chris? My fellow Yinzers. <laughs> this, 
this is a this is a grave day in Steel Nation history. Not really. It's, it's like you said, they're five five and one. The 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 issue here is that people. I don't think people wanted to admit that they were going through rebuilding phases at different parts of their roster, uh, but. Again, the difference between the Steelers' rebuilding phase and other teams' rebuilding phase is other teams, the Jaguars are rebuilding right now. They're two and nine. Now, you know, like they, they've been out of the playoffs for months. Yep. You know, the, 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 the Lions are in a rebuilding phase. They haven't won a game this year. The Steelers' rebuilding phase, they're 5-5-1. Five, five they're, they're, if they win a game, they're right back in the thick of things with the playoff race. Like, this is, this is, what, this, this is a big reason why people, you know, why people who are in the know are like, no, you don't get rid of Mike Tomlin. You know why? Because he keeps the team afloat even in their darkest of moments. Right. You know, and yeah, sure, they got blown out last week, but you know what? They've beaten the Bills. They've had a lot of wins that people said that there was no way they were going to be able to get this year. Um, they found ways to win without key playmakers being available, but without Ben Roethlisberger playing at a high level, they've done that this year. And I, I really think that that's, that's a testament to where the organization still stands. You know, are, but, but you can't deny they're in a transition. They, they've had a whole offensive line upheaval this yep. offseason. They're looking at two rookies starting on the offensive line, four rookies starting on offense. You know, and Trey Norwood had to get a start, you know, a couple weeks back. There's just there's a lot of transitional parts here, and also you got to look at the fact that for next year, for the first time in a long time, they're gonna have a whole bunch of money to spend in free agency. Mm-hmm. That hasn't happened for like I want to say 15 years because this team has always been able to count upon Ben Roethlisberger being a huge part of the roster and several older veterans being on the roster. But it's just you know what you've gotten to the point where a lot of those guys, they've, they've aged off, and Ben's, Ben's coming out. So now they're going to get a chance to revamp the roster and design design who they want to be next year with the draft and free agency. And, and then we'll see how, how they move forward then. But, you know, it's always difficult when you're transitioning off of your previous franchise quarterback. Some franchises don't recover for a decade. You know, we saw that with the 80s and the Steelers when Bradshaw went out. It took the Steelers a while to kind of get back on their feet. Um, but – you know, this will be telling. This will be the first time that they've had to retool this much without Ben Roethlisberger in the coming years. That'll, I think, will be the telling of where the state of the franchise is. But right now, I mean, they're a competitive football team while they're in that transition. I think that says a lot about the organization. Yeah, no, I, you know, that's a really good point by you, and I think it, you know, gets back to, of course, they have misses. Everybody that does this uh, in this business does. But I, I think for the most part, man, Mike Tomlin, uh, Kevin Colbert and company, they do do a great job of procuring talent. Of course, one of those guys that everyone has been talking about as a miss, Chris, is number 55, Devin Bush, old middle linebacker for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, this is another thing I'd like to get your opinion on. I kind of walk the tightrope of not wanting to handle Devin with kid gloves, but also, like you were mentioning, being nuanced and not just trying to paint with broad brushes. I know Devin has... I think in particular three things working against him. One being, of course, the the ACL injury. We know now he's about 13, 14 months out from that, so it is starting to get to the point where you think it would be back to at least close to 100%, but you never know. There have been a lot of people who have have stated that those things take much longer to to have a complete recovery. The ACL injury, the lack of his position coach, Jerry O, of course, who has been gone due to the tragic death of his wife, um, and the lack of you know two of his three starting defensive linemen. So... No Jerry O, no Alu Alu, no Tuit in front of him, and, you know, still potentially maybe some lingering effects from that ACL. The other side of that that I see is, you know, he was a top 10 pick. He's played 31 games in the NFL. This is his third season. Eventually, it, it has to happen at some point. Where are you at on Devin Bush? And, and do you think, is it a foregone conclusion that they're not going to pick up his fifth year option this summer? Or is there something he could do in these last six games to change their mind? Eh, I mean, it's it's not looking good for the whole fifth option thing. But again, we got to see how you know how he responds 
to you know going into next season. They're definitely going to want to keep it close to the vest. You can't pay, you can't afford to lock yourself into the guy. But you also you know if you do if you don't commit to him if if he if you commit to not go, you know planning to keep him around before he might turn things around, you could put yourself in an awkward situation. But I have to think the Steelers don't lock in the fifth year option this year. But I do think that the Steelers will be looking at his. Um, you know, how he how he continues to rehab after this season's over. And also, I mean, throughout the rest of the season, my biggest thing with, with Devin Bush on top of, you know, when people, again, people can label effort there. But he, I think he's, he's not seeing things. He, he's wor- he looks like he's worried about so many factors here that, that he needs to not. He needs to focus on his keys. You know, when a guard pulls, he needs to flow with that guard. When a guy flies out, he needs to go with him. And the thing is that, to start the season, he was doing that. Go back and look at that Bills game. He was flying everywhere. He, and all, I think it was after a while. You know he, you know he had, he got an injury again early in the season, and then um, and then he hadn't been he has really hasn't been saying this as well. Um, and also you just seem like he looks you know he looks timid in trying to engage people in the hole. You know that that to me says a lot about you know where he's at mentally. Um, and you know and, you know Vince Williams talked about that on Twitter is that like you know hey give this guy 23 years old give this t- guy time to recover and you know to figure to figure things out. You know, Ryan Shazier wasn't, you know, the elite Ryan Shazier that we knew before he was injured. Um, you know, it took him time to become that guy. So, you know, I think Devin Bush deserves that grace period. Should the Steelers, does that mean the Steelers commit to him financially? No, I don't, I don't think so. He, they need to, he needs to show that. Uh, and I think anybody would agree about that. Um, you know, going if you go into the negotiation room, they're like, Devin, you, mean, you were great for a year. You were really good your second year. And then, when you came back from the injury, we, we don't know. We can't commit to you. We don't know that you're going to turn this thing around. So um, I think that's a, that's, that's a fair approach to Devin Bush. But I, was, I, mean, I wouldn't rule him out. I mean, if he can get back to just, just again, just the speed that he showed, the ability to fly around the field, you know, if he gets that back, I think he can do it. Now, if he's like this next year, that's when I'm like, okay, now you got to pack it up. But you got to give anybody – um, especially a first-round pick, the chance to bounce back from that over time. Um, you know, you'd, you'd be making a stake if you didn't do that. I, I remember, you know, a few years ago, not a first-round pick, but when Chris Boswell was struggling in 2018, I mean, I, I had to, I was defending this man on television. You know, people were saying, oh, you got to fire him. You got right. to fire him. I was like, a word like, you're stupid if you're going to fire like this guy who's been an extremely accurate kicker, and now he's just hurt and he's not kicking. Like, oh, he'll never recover. Uh, okay, well, now he's like the, like the second most accurate kicker in all of football. Right. Um, and, and he's lighting it up. So, you know, the same way I say about Devin Bush, is like, hey, let's just see how he rebounds. You know, don't, don't be a knee-jerk reaction guy. That's, that's, the, that, that's, that's kind of the lame response of uh, – that's the lame analysis work. You know, let's, let's look at the full body of things. Let's give people time to play out and be patient with it. Chris Carter laying it down as always. Just a couple more minutes here with our buddy. You know him from everywhere. Locked on Steelers podcast, DK Pittsburgh Sports. You see his beautiful mug on WPXI from time to time. You hear him here as well. He's all over the place. He wears many hats. He knows many things. Uh, Chris, uh, of course, people can find you on Twitter at Carter Critiques. And I saw you... um, Let's just say maybe clowning on, maybe dunking on some people from the radio station across the street talking about how they don't think Minka Fitzpatrick should be offered an extension by the Steelers this offseason. Uh, you would say those people are wrong because? It's stupid. There's no... Like, just, like, I, I, I didn't because, like, if you, if you're someone that I that I talk to, and you're someone, and, and I disagree with you, like, there's sometimes I just disagree with our, our buddy John Ledger. He covers Tampa, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for Pewter Report right now, but he used to cover the Steelers yep. here, and he used to be locked on Steelers. He used to work in this in this building here. He used to work at iHeart here. 
Exactly. Like John. So when John John and I disagree on things, we'll have like a full discourse. But but like again, when John goes into things, he says reasonable things. He gives detailed analysis, and that's why a big reason I respect John. But when it comes to um, also give him a follow follow. He's a great follow. For yeah, especially fans. around draft time. Especially around draft time, his analysis is key. But I'm sorry, but when when you say what has Minka done, like. I, what are you looking at? My goodness. The first two back-to-back years of being first-team All-Pro. Even if this was a bad year for Minka Fitzpatrick, I would say, yeah, we're paying because we're going to see if we can get that back to the, the, the two years of being the best safety in football. Like, you, you, It wasn't just like top five. It wasn't top ten. It was the best safety in football. And, oh, you mean the year that everyone's heard up on defense? He has to then kind of cover up for everyone else a lot more. He's had to make more tangles against the run this year because he cannot. So he can't be the, the, the super free safety playmaking X-Factor guy in the center field because he's backing everyone else up this year, because they've had troubles coming over the middle, because they've had new cornerbacks filling in every week with James Pierre, Arthur Mollett, and all these other guys. They need to solidify other parts of the defense to allow him to be the playmaker that he is. Um, and when you when you start forcing him to come up and do those things, you take him away from his extreme, you know, where he's a big playmaker. I'm sorry. Anybody that thinks that needs to just, just either, that like they were tired, they were having a bad day, and they just said <laughs> they were, that they shouldn't have said, or they just don't know what they're looking at, and they're just throwing darts in a dartboard saying, yeah, this is where I'm going with my takes today, blam. And unfortunately, there are a lot of people out there in the business, but you know, but hey, I, I give the benefit of the doubt to, to to anyone. I'll be like, hey, you know what? It was just a it was just a crazy statement. That's why I just posted the guy from The Incredibles who's looking at Mr. Incredible like, what the heck is wrong with you, buddy? <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, that's that's just ridiculous. But Minka is going to get paid. He deserves to get paid. He's also, I, I truly believe, Wes, beyond just being a player, I think he's a leader for the future of this yeah. team to set, a, set the right tone of what it means to be a Steeler. I think it's going to be weeks like this that show, can he do that at a young age? He's still, what, 25 years old? Mm-hmm. He still has plenty of time to, to, to grow into that, but he's already shown shades to me that he's, uh, that he's going to be a guy like that. Chris Carter, last one for our partner in crime here on the Steelers Blitz. Uh, offensive side of the football here before I let you go. What is... I guess maybe frustrating would would be the word to use here. What's been more frustrating um, in your mind over these last couple weeks? Uh, option A, which feels like, man, just a, a real lack of giving Najee opportunity in the red zone, particularly in goal-to-goal situations. Or B, the lack of targets for Pat Fryermuth lately, particularly over the middle, where it just felt like about a month ago they were starting to cut their teeth in that area and carve out some identity there. Uh, more frustrating, lack of Najee in the red zone and in goal-to-go situations, or lack of Pat Fryermuth lately, particularly over the middle? Can, can I go with both? Is there a C? <laughs> I just, I mean, I, C, all I, the above. Like, yeah, just, just all, both, all of it. Because here's the thing, again, you drafted these guys one and two to be difference makers. When you don't use them as difference makers, you're going to make life even harder for yourself. Lean on these guys. That's the reason you invested in them is so early. And listen, I get it. Najee Harris, not you know, not going to be able to run the ball if your center's getting blown up every play and if you're just, sure. if you're getting guys backfield every second. And despite that, he still has the fifth most forced missed tackles in, in the NFL. He's still doing extremely well as far as yardage wise. It's just that per carry, yeah, he's going to have a harder time, harder time with it. You also haven't involved him enough in the passing game. He's a guy who can run routes, not just check down routes, but actual routes. Throw it to him. Give him those opportunities. And it's just, it's actually, I think Ben Roethlisberger gets into check down mode way too fast with this offense, even when the pressure isn't coming. Um, so, that, you know, that's the issue. But, but one thing that can be worked out is 
see Pat Fryer over the middle. I mean, my goodness, he's made so many catches that we've seen when it's been desperation time, like the Bengals and garbage time last week, like the fourth down touchdown pass against the Browns. It's kind of been like when it's been desperate time and it's been like, hey, we, we just need this, and they throw it up to him, he comes down with it. So he's showing you, hey, he can come down with it in tight coverage. Give him some shots over the middle, in the middle of the game, during the game, to, on key possession downs. And if, and if they're double teaming him, that means someone else is going to be either wide open or really good one-on-one coverage opportunities. But play off of that more. You draft him in the second round, and he really looks really good. I believe since week five, he is, the, he is tied for the most touchdown receptions in the NFL. you got to use that, man. you gotta, <laughs> you got to use that more. Feed him. He's going to be playing the same thing with Najee Harris. You got to find ways to, to to mix that up better. Uh, whether it's Matt Canada or Ben Roethlisberger, somebody's got to get them to get the ball to their playmakers. That's the only way this offense will go. Chris, great stuff as always, man. Always love catch, catching up, talking some ball with you. Uh, Locked on Steelers podcast, DK Pittsburgh Sports, WPXI. Hear him here on SNR. Uh, all of you out there who support us, all right, you got to support the, the the people who. If, if, if you like what we do, all right, make sure you're in tune with what Chris does. All right, support the people who support us or something like that. Mr. Carter, thanks for your time as always, buddy. Love you. We'll talk soon. Same here, Wes. There he is, Chris Carter, one of my favorite Pittsburgh stellar minds in this town of Pittsburgh. Great stuff from him. I don't know what I was trying to say there, but I think you get it. All right, we, Moats and I, we've, we've, we've felt this thing build up over the last three or four years. We know we don't have a huge platform, but we do have a platform. We got a lot of you who, who loyally rock with us, the, the megawatts, the power grid. Um, support our friends, and Chris Carter is certainly one of our friends. We'll have another one on about eight minutes from now. Mr. Brian Batko of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette will join me as we continue more Steelers conversation. Wesley Euler, I'm solo on the Blitz today. That's why I brought extra buddies in the form of Chris Carter and Brian Backo. I should ask Carter for his prediction this weekend because we will get one from Brian Backo, of course, before we let him go. Before we get to our first break here, I did want to play you a little bit of audio. Joe Schobert uh, speaking earlier, uh, I believe it was before practice. Uh, Joe Schobert, of course, uh, middle linebacker for the Pittsburgh Steelers, um, talking about how this weekend the Steelers need to prove themselves. Take a listen. Show the, uh, the running quarterbacks that have kind of taken over the league a little bit. Yeah. I mean, is this something that's here to stay, do you think? Or is this something you, you ever see, you see everything kind of goes in waves? Do you, you ever see going back to being pocket passers? Or is this here to stay? Uh, I mean, like you said, everything goes in waves. Uh, I can't predict the future, so I don't know. <laughs> I hope there's not 32 Lamar Jacksons in 10 years. Well, actually, I do because I'll be watching football in 10 years, so that'll be exciting. Do you know who number 57 is? Who? On our team? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I thought you were talking about their team. Adams? What? I don't know. I don't know who's – those new guys, new numbers. What? Who's 57? You were right. It's that, yes. Okay, that's what I think. That was the process, like, for meeting a guy that jumps on the moving train. Yeah, I mean, the train's moving. you got to better grab on. Have a strong grip. Yeah, I mean, just from a football playing level, it's unacceptable, and that was made known, obviously, in meetings, and we got to come buckle up, chin straps, ready to work, and uh, another AFC North opponent this week, and uh, prove ourselves to ourselves. How was practice today? It was good. A lot of fun. A lot of people flying around, hitting, pads are popping, so it was a good day of practice. What about history with uh, Jackson? 
when you were in Cleveland, I don't know if you played him last year in Jacksonville, but you know, what did you notice about him and did you have success? Yeah, I think well, I played him in Cleveland. I played him last year in Jacksonville. Um, I mean, he's one of a kind. Like I said earlier, there's no nobody else in the NFL who really comes close to his skill set, and he's got a very specific skill set, and their offense is catered to him, and they do a good job running the football, play action passes, and he can get the get the ball out there to his uh, weapons. So uh, it's just going to be about containing him in the pocket, not letting him extend plays, because that's when he's really dangerous, and that's when the receivers are really dangerous. So we're talking today just about the tradition of the Steelers, the Steelers way, all that. You've been in a couple different organizations in locker rooms. How is it different here? I mean, when you come in, do they tell you, hey, we're not playing music in the locker room because of this reason or that? No, I mean, there's music in the locker room a lot. <laughs> The tradition is, speaks for itself. When you walk upstairs to the meeting rooms, there's six Lombardi trophies in a trophy case right there. I mean, you walk by that every day. You walk by the, the team pictures of the guys who did it, and that's who built the franchise, and that's who you're carrying their legacy on now. And there's a certain level of, um, well, I would say, re respect for them, but you have to play well to uphold that to that tradition. Have you heard any of those guys in the media the last couple of days? No, I don't follow pretty much anything in the media. For <laughs> Rocky Blyer, Ryan Clark, and seems pretty critical of the current team. Well, that's that's them. I, I don't follow merely anything in the media, especially during the season, because it doesn't do you any good in the locker room. You're the tradition, though. No offense. <laughs> so the train. I couldn't quite hear it. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, you, everybody has to look at themselves in the mirror. I'm not going to comment on anybody else's play. I'm going to comment on my play. I look at myself in the mirror, and there's all, all, things that we can all get better at uh, from the game tape. And Coach Tomlin, to a man, made sure everybody knew it on Monday, and I think guys are really stepping up to the challenge. I mean, you're going to face adversity during the football season, and it's how about how you respond to it. The best team in the AFC, what, the, the Ravens, they got three losses. Everybody else is four. We have five. We're right in the thick of things if we can do our jobs and turn around and win football games. So were there guys who were louder than others in the team meeting that stood, that, that stood out and said, hey, they, these things have to change this week? Yeah, Coach Tomlin was very loud. <laughs> uh, I mean, Cam Hayward always going to be talking. I mean, T.J. Watt obviously wasn't in the meetings, but during the games talking loud, um, making his, himself known. There's a lot of got a lot of leaders on the team, um, but Coach Tomlin pretty much took the floor for our meetings this week. Was he talk to T.J.? I haven't talked to him since he left yesterday. Uh, probably shoot him a text, make sure he's feeling healthy and not too bad, not too under the weather. But Joe, you guys uh, really struggled against the run for the last three games. Now you're going against one of the best running teams in the NFL. How much can change in a week to curb those results? Yeah, I mean, you buckle your chin straps and come up and start hitting people on Sunday. I think it can change real fast. So I think that's the attitude of the team and the defense, especially. And We'll see the results on Sunday. All right, Joe. Let's see some face masks popping, baby. Joe Schobert talking to the media there. Loved, loved the uh, just the bluntness, the honesty from him with with a lot of those questions. Uh, I love too when he said, "I don't pay attention to the media." No offense. Hey, hey Joe, I, I don't pay attention to me either. I mean, don't worry about it, buddy. You ain't got to offend anybody. We're just a bunch of blowhards here with nothing but time to kill. Speaking of time to kill, I've got plenty of that today. Wesley Euler with you here on the Steelers Blitz Solo. You want to get involved? We've got some tweets rolling in already. I'll take your questions, comments, concerns, and reactions on Twitter at Wesley Euler when we come back here. I'll bring another buddy to the show. Our good friend of the show joins us this time every single Thursday, Mr. Brian Backo 
of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. We will talk to the Batman when we return on the other side. You're listening to the Steelers Blitz on SNR.